what's up, everybody? Um, I'm here with Isaac Morehouse this week, uh, founder of Crash.co and the Praxis Program, also the author of a great book, Crash Your Career. Um, Isaac, I first heard you on the Tom Woods show, and you know Tom is always pitching somebody's book on on his show, so it's it's impossible to get to where I'd read them all. But he kept going on and on about your book, and he was like. You know, it's short. It won't take you long to read. And it was short. So I actually went out and read it. And it took me about an hour to read. But really, it was just, I mean, it was like soul food. Because my thing is, I mean, whether you're like on the right, left, libertarian, Christian, Satanist, whatever. If you can empathize with me about how bad the education system is, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I'll follow you to the moon, really. Um, but yeah, so thanks for being here, and just can you talk a little bit about the book? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, appreciate I, I love, by the way, shout out to you for your email invite to uh, to come on this this podcast. It was a great it was a great sales pitch. You're like, hey, I want to learn. I want to do stuff, and uh, <laughs> the best way to learn is to start a podcast. So I've done that. I want you to come on. So uh, that's something that's really impressive, like the way that you – the way that you framed it and the way you made it, you made it hard for me to say no, which uh, right, I get good. pretty excited by people who, who understand that. So yeah, the book is really the result of, I mean, more, more or less for the last at least 10 years, maybe more like 15 in some way or another, I have been working with young people getting started in their careers and in various programs for other organizations I worked for. And then when I started Praxis about six years ago, we launched Crash about six months ago, um, has really been all about helping people get started in their careers. And the the trends that you see, um, you know, it's like over, over time, you just see these patterns so much that I, I just have to write about them. I have to just to get it out of my system, if nothing else. Right. Um, and so that, that book, it's a very short, as you mentioned, kind of guide to the way I think people ought to think about starting their career. And it's all very simple and common sense, but it's so different from what you get in the education system, which is this kind of factory model. You're plopped onto a conveyor belt and you just take tests and get grades and obey the rules. And then you're dropped off at the next stage, which is college, which is another conveyor belt that includes more booze. And you continue to take <laughs> tests and do things. And then you're dropped off with a degree and you're just supposed to like blast it out to a bunch of job applications and someone's supposed to hand you a paycheck and you just keep following rules. And, you know, look, I have a degree. I'm, I'm worth hiring. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's ever been a particularly good approach, but it's dumber than ever today, given the volume of opportunity available everywhere and the kind of opportunity available, that approach is completely antithetical to the types of things that are going to be valued in the marketplace and the types of things that are going to help you launch a meaningful career. It's never been easier to start a company, to freelance, to see yourself as your own brand, as your own company, whether you're working for other people or not. In fact, you have to see yourself that way. And going through and purchasing a third-party stamp of approval and hoping that makes people want to pay you money to, to, to you know, have some job title is absolutely broken, and you're going to end up broken <laughs> in more ways than one. And so taking charge of that process and saying, look, 
I am, I am like a product. I'm like a company. I got to get out there and test the market and see what's out there. Get some experiences, figure out what's my value proposition. What can I do for people to make their lives better? Let me test it out. Let me make it easy for them to say yes to me. And then once they've said yes to me and they've seen that I can create value, now I can put a price on that value and I can start to test out who values it at, at what price level, right? And seeing it as this process of experimentation and iteration in the marketplace and seeing yourself as, as a, a value creator that you need to sell people on your ability to create value fundamentally. You need to, you need to make it easy for them to, to give you opportunity by doing one of two things or both, which is raise the value that you can create, which, you know, you need to prove that to them somehow and lower the cost to them of taking a chance on you. And if you do those two things, you will absolutely win. You'll have amazing opportunities. I mean, I talk to so many young people when you get this who are like, hey, I went and learned a couple skills that are valued by people in the market. And then I went and offered to do things for free with those skills for people that I'm interested in who I think are doing really cool things. And then I made it hard for them to say no because I'm like, hey, let me do this for free for 30 days and prove what I can do. Here's an example of what I've made. And then once I got my foot in the door and they said, okay, fine, and I proved what I could do, I was able to then leverage that into a paid role or multiple paid right. freelance gigs or whatever that might be and take that on to the next thing. And that mindset is so powerful. Unfortunately, a lot of people see that and they're like, wait, that's exploitation. Instead, I got to pay like a hundred grand and sit in a room for five years and take a bunch <laughs> of tests and yeah. then come out with a bunch of debt and beg somebody to give me a paycheck for no particular reason. You know, <laughs> I don't know which one you think is exploitation, but I know which one I think is exploitation. So anyway, that's, that's a bit of a rambly rant, but the book is essentially just, Hey, look, here's the new world. Buying a piece of paper that says you graduated from somewhere, not that impressive, whether you have one or not, you got to do more than that. So how can you actually create, learn to create value and learn to prove it to people and make it easy for them to give you those opportunities and start that exploration process to get your career going? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, the big takeaway I got from the book was the learning out loud. And that's really changed my whole perspective. I, I mean, now if I have an idea for something, I just do it and I tell everybody about it. And it's amazing the type of result <laughs> results you get just from that. And I'll, I'll have, you know, I'll have great things come my way when I'm just like sitting on the couch hanging out because, you know, a few weeks ago, I had an idea, of, uh, like a cool idea for some content or something, and I just put it out there. Um, yeah, and the whole people my age get really scared of the uh, work for free thing. <laughs> have, have you experienced that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's because of this bizarre definition of work and this stark divide between working, you know, clocking in your hours at the factory and then off time. Yeah. That's not the way work is anymore. Like right now you're interviewing me on this podcast. Am I working right now? I don't even know, right? Like right. it's, right. it's during the work day, um, I'm in an office, I'm talking about things related to the, the companies that I run, uh, but I'm also just having a fun conversation with an interesting guy that reached out to me, right? You are making a podcast right now. Nobody's paying you for this podcast, I'm guessing. You are just sharing it with the world. And you know that this enhances your value and your signal, 
right? You learn from this podcast, you learn what it's like to create something, to try to get people to listen to it. You get to meet new guests and learn their ideas. And it creates a signal. Not that many people produce a podcast and put it out to the world. So it shows something about your, your character. Are you working right now? Are you working for free? Well, yeah, in a way you are. You're investing in your own human capital and nobody's paying you for it. Um, but I would see it as an investment, right? Like when a company goes out and offers free samples, are they being exploited by consumers? No, they're trying to show people what they can do. So this idea of working out loud, right? Whether you're doing it for a company, for nobody, for whatever, it's really understanding that you are a company. You are your own company. And so if you've got a free trial period that gives people a better chance of trying your product, if they've never heard of you before, you're, you're very unlikely, right? It's like, who do you want to be competing with? If you send in a resume and no one knows anything about you, and there's 200 other resumes, and you're competing with every one of those other people to get that paycheck, you're not going to stand out very much. But would you rather compete with the no, the zero people, right? There's almost nobody that does this that say, hey, I love what you're doing. Can I do? Can I edit your podcast for a month for free? And here, here's an example of my work to give you a feel that like I promise it'll be good. I'll even do a do an episode first that, you know, before it goes public, let you hear it, make sure it's okay. You could say that's exploitation. I say it's genius. You get to the front of the line. You know, if there's 200 people applying for a job with that person, you're, you're, you're unlikely to stand out. But if you're doing something like that, you're going to learn and you're going to get their attention. So I don't think it's exploitation. Like all the best experiences I've had in my life started because I just started helping somebody out and doing something. And if anything, I was benefiting way more than they were, right? I wasn't being exploited. I was learning. I was working alongside small business owners. Um, so yeah, I think you got to just purge that mindset. Stop thinking about that and start thinking in terms of investments. What are the things you can do? You know, you said learning out loud, which, which is a phrase that I absolutely love. Like there are so many people out there with skills and interests that if people knew they had them, it's very possible, even likely, that they would get opportunities, awesome ones that they don't even know about right now. But the fact that it's all just stuck up in their brain and no one has any access to it, right? I know people who have read hundreds of books and are very interesting thinkers, but they've never posted an Amazon review. They've never blogged about it. They've never created a YouTube channel or a podcast talking about their thoughts on those books. So the world has no way of knowing and therefore no way of making connections and saying, oh, yeah, Brandon, he's the guy that's really interested in, you know, Barbarella, whatever. I just saw the poster <laughs> yeah. behind you. Um, I should connect him to this opportunity I heard about. In fact, even the job hunt itself. So it's the learning process. I think learning out loud and just being like, hey, I'm learning this new set of ideas. Here's my takeaway from this YouTube video I watched, you know, tagging the person who gave the lecture and saying, great video. Here's my notes, my summary. Like people love that stuff. Um, learning out loud and also job seeking out loud. You ever notice when people go out and say, Hey everybody, I'm really interested in finding a new job. Here's my skill set. Here's something that I made. Help me out if you can. If you see that on like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, it always has a ton of engagement because people love the idea of helping other people find a job. And then you'll see like, Hey, thanks for all the recommendations. People have emailed me some different companies and people that they know. And I even got an interview out of it, right? Like uh -huh. thinking about using the value of your network and by getting that information out there, we're so used to the school system where everything happens behind closed doors. 
you come out with a grade, but nobody sees the process of you getting that grade. You, you write a paper yeah. and you submit it secretly to one person who's be the only person who will ever see it. And they'll give you a grade on it. And that grade will go on your transcript. It's all this black box. And that's how job applications are treated. You submit in your application. No one ever sees it. It's all behind closed doors. And you either get a interview request or you don't. And it's like, well, how about you open that up? and broadcast what you're all about to the world like it just like with a company right if companies were completely secretive and all they did was one-on-one -on -one reaching out to customers and be like hey here's this product do you want to try it no it's like you want to let the world know yeah. so you can find those customers right. you never even knew existed yeah i mean i guess on some level it's just like that insecurity that you know if you don't have any experience you're like well what if i'm not you know, one of the top and you're not, and you're not going to be when you come out of college. And that's, that's my frustration is that when you get out of school, you realize how much time was wasted. I mean, what if you started at, I mean, we have this fear of like children working in factories or whatever, but what if you had a job that was like creative at 10 years old? Like, um, like you always see like Kanye West kids are doing like these crazy things and they have articles about them. They did this dance recital or they they made this uh, choreography thing. And I'm like, well, what if every kid did that and they put it out there and they would get better year year by year. And by the time other people are graduating school, they'd have this amazing skill set. Yeah, um, it, it's it's very sad the way that commercial life is treated as this separate potentially hostile entity, yeah. completely separate from learning, growing up, education. So you think about like kids are given these like fake assignments and projects to do versus what if kids just took their interests and they like could commercialize them whenever they wanted to play around with them. And you see a little bit of this, like my daughter's interested in baking and she'll go try to like sell cookies that she's made at, you know, an office or whatever. But there's very little of that. One, because kids are in school all day or they're doing homework. Two, because there literally are like places where it's illegal to have a lemonade stand or whatever it might be. Um, and three, because I think society views education as this thing you go off and do behind closed doors for 20 years. And then you enter the commercial world, which is completely separate. I think that's so damaging and to start to think and it, and this is what I love about, by the way, the, the internet creating this platform of like people make fun of like YouTubers or whatever. Oh, they make all this money just opening boxes and gifts. Well, first of all, it's very, very, very hard to make money on YouTube. But second of all, it's very, very easy to try to make money on YouTube, which is beautiful. <laughs> it's awesome, yeah. right? Like anyone can say, hey, I'm interested in movie criticism. I'm just going to start doing it. And I'm going to do it and I'm going to set up a Patreon or I'm going to create a Kickstarter to put out a book that I'm going to self-publish or I'm going to just start doing a YouTube yeah. channel and to, and to see the potential commercial value for that, whether you're making money or just building an audience and building connections to start doing those things earlier. I had a kid one time who, who tweeted at me, or maybe it was a Quora question. I'm trying to remember that someone requested and he's like, yeah, or no, it was a, it was a parent. Yeah, my son doesn't want to go to college. Um, he just wants to pursue his YouTube channel. He has like 600,000 subscribers, but I told him it's just like a stupid waste of time. He should go get a degree. <laughs> and I'm like, if today, if two people applied to work for me in sales, marketing, and one of them had a degree, they could have a master's degree. I don't care. And they're like, master's degree. 
from a good school. And one of them was like, built a YouTube channel with 600,000 subscribers. Do you know which one I'd call to interview right away? <laughs> you know, like the fact yeah. that people see that as like not useful for your career while they think sitting in classrooms is, is just so troubling to me. So yeah, like life is this constant experimentation and like the marketplace ought to, and really does permeate all aspects of it. You know, like there's nothing dirty about commercializing your interests and hobbies and whatever, and letting your work and, and passions and experiments and explorations all flow together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny to think that there are so many kids sitting in public school right now that are wasting time not being on the internet. <laughs> right. Because they, I mean, there are so many different things you can learn and you, I, I really don't think you can force someone to learn anything. Because, no. I mean, I've, I've sat through so many uh, high school classes where no one is interested in what's being taught. And when you when you start the semester, they know like nothing at the end. They, they know maybe like two facts. I mean, you, t you take one day of just Googling something you're interested in on your phone and you you learn like semesters worth of stuff. Well, and I and I think the the process of creation is so important in learning as well. So it's not just consumption, yeah. right? Consuming ideas is really valuable. And today you can find any ideas anywhere in any format, pretty much always for free videos, books, podcasts, whatever, which is awesome. And you can learn and you can consume a lot of stuff. Creation. And I think this is a, a large part due to school as well has been treated like this, it's like the assignment you do after you're done consuming for a long time. You consume, 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 memorize, and then you write a report on it. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the process of creating things instead of just consuming them is so integral to learning. So, so think about this for a second. If I told you like, hey, you know, what kind of education do you think this would be if you could have uh, every day you get to talk to somebody who is the top 5% expert in their field in hundreds of different fields and you get to talk to them one-on-one -on -one individually about their knowledge of what they do and learn from them you'd be like wow that's like the kind of education that like kings and queens would purchase for their yes. children right you bring in a tutor an expert to, to walk along and talk with your kid you're doing that today right now by having a podcast Creating a podcast is one of the most amazing, like I would say creating and running a podcast for let's say a year, you know, 50 episodes is a better education than pretty much any degree you can get. Let's say you go out there and you just announce and you put a little pressure on yourself. I'm going to create a podcast. I'm going to come out with an episode every week for 20 weeks. Now I've got a commitment. I've got to come up with that. And it's a one hour long episode every week. Now you're going to learn some cool stuff about just the basics of editing and recording. It's all fairly simple, but you know, you're uh -huh. going to learn how to deliver on time, how to ship something, even when it's not perfect, you're going to learn how to get better at communicating and some of those things. But most of all, you now have this amazing calling card. If you go to somebody who just wrote an amazing book on some new theory of, you know, stem cell whatever research or something, you know, uh, or animal psychology, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you go to them and say, Hey, will you come and get, be my private tutor for a day? Right. They'll be like, no. If you go to them and say, Hey, I'm launching a podcast. I'm fascinated by your work. Are you willing to let me interview you for an hour about your new book? 
the number of yeses you're going to get is going to be amazing. You start sending those out to people, they're going to be like, wow, someone's interested in my work. Yeah, I'll talk about it. I'll do a podcast. Yes. Now you have, even if you have no listeners, doesn't matter. You have all these one-on-one -on -one conversations with brilliant people about brilliant things. Now you have a direct connection to them. They open your emails. They answer them. Now you have this amazing network, this amazing body of knowledge. And it all came about because you were trying to create something. You weren't just like, let me go read all these books and yeah. sit secretly on the knowledge. And I think that process is magical. Same for blogging. We, we give people in practice a 30-day blogging challenge where they're supposed to write a blog post every day for 30 days. Um, some people will do like, I'm going to answer a question on Quora every day for 30 days. Producing podcasts, YouTube channels. When you commit to creating something, it's like the learning just skyrockets because you've, <laughs> you've got to get something out there, you know? Yeah. So you just have to learn fast. Yeah, that this is something I've discovered completely by accident by making this podcast is that I have the ultimate excuse to email somebody, say, hey, do you want to connect? Um, I just released an episode with um, the editor of the Babylon Bee. And I was I, I got to talk to him, you know, during the episode and a little bit before and after about what it's what it's like to have a satire site, which you know, I'm a huge fan of satire. I've always loved The Onion and wanted to write in that kind of style. And he just, I mean, he gave me so much great advice about what to do to get your site to take off, how it can happen overnight, and, you know, what what to do, you know, how to get stuff done on time. Cra like, crazy stuff I would have never thought of. And then I recorded another one with uh, Steve Patterson. You know him, right? Yeah, 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 he's a good buddy of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he gave me some fantastic advice um, about just marketing and uh, keeping an email list. And also, <laughs> we had this funny conversation like um, about how, you know, I, I really think now there's like a market for anything. I mean, anything you can imagine. And he, at first he, he was like, ah, I'm not so sure. But then he started talking about this weird like math stuff that I, ha I have no idea about, never even heard of. And it sounded so strange to me and out there. And he was like, but yeah, there's a, there's a market for that. I, I made money from that and I really didn't do that much for it. Right. So. He, he's like for his own philosophical interest, he's out there diving deep into all these theorems about whether infinite sets can exist and math theory and all this stuff and writing and podcasting about it. And he's got Patreon supporters and various forms of like monetizing that because there's the, because the, the platform is now global. So even if there's only a thousand people in the world who are deeply passionate about something, if half of them are willing to pay you 10 bucks a month or something, right? Like there's so much, so much potential. So, um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. The, like, if you, if you just flip the, flip the process from what can I go, you know, what can I go learn about by consuming and just say, what can I create? It just forces you to think differently and it forces you to, to go out there and find things. And the beauty, the thing that you realize is that you don't have to be an expert on anything at all because what people really like is learning along with you. Yes. So if you're just open about it, right? And I think a lot of people feel like they've got to either be an expert or be comfortable pretending to be an expert. Be like, oh, let me go out. Oh, I'm going to get on Twitter 
So I guess I have to like start giving out advice on Twitter about life and you know bench pressing <laughs> right. and keto diets and whatever else. And it's like, if you just go totally open, say, hey, like you just said to me, hey, I don't know the first thing about these math theorems. This stuff sounds crazy to me. Let's let's do a video and it's learn with me. Okay, guys, right. yeah. I'm new to this and I'm gonna see if our guest can help me understand it, right? There's a, there's a Reddit uh, subreddit called um, explain it like I'm five and that whole yeah. mentality, people love that. And I'll tell you for myself, when I, when I look up on YouTube, I was just looking up the other day, my daughter had a Rubik's cube and she's like, Oh, I want to learn how to like solve this thing, whatever. I, I was like, I'm, I bet there's a YouTube video. Do you want to go like cheat and look it up? She's like, sure. So we Google, you know, how to solve a Rubik's cube and a bunch of videos came up and we started three or four of them and almost all of them. It was somebody who was clearly a brilliant mathematically minded genius who could do the Rubik's cube in no time. And every one of those were like, I don't get it too fast, moving too fast, moving too fast. The one we found was like, Hey, I think I just figured out how to do this. Barely bear with me while I see if I can remember because he, it was somebody who was just one step ahead of where we currently were. And we loved that. Right. And like, there's a market for non experts exploring ideas, you know? Right. And so you don't have to fake that, you know, more than you do just be open about what you do know. Hey, I don't know anything about this, but I'm eager to learn. Let me learn out loud here. I'm going to turn on my screen capture software while I try to learn how to do this new function in Microsoft Excel, or while I try to learn how to edit my podcast, you know, and do some new thing with the sound or something. Yeah. Well, uh, it was Scott Adams that got me hip to the idea that, you know, all an expert is, is just someone who knows more about a subject than you. So it doesn't mean that they're, they're, you know, the Einstein or whatever field that is. They just know enough to look better than you. So, I, I mean, on the things that, you know, I really do know and have a handle on, yeah, sure, I'll be the expert. But when it comes to, you know, I completely changed my political beliefs um, you know, about half a year ago. So I'm not the expert on all things libertarian. So how, how the hell am I going to compete with Tom Woods or, or, you know, like Ron Paul or something? I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but showing that I'm, I'm learning and it's okay to, you know, change your mind about something. I think it's really encouraging for people. And in fact, like the first, you know, episode of this podcast I recorded was with uh, Dr. Walter Block and halfway through the uh, the episode, he's like, "Oh, have you read this? Have you read that?" And I had to go, "No, I haven't. I haven't gotten into it. <laughs> you know, I've only been in this world for so long, and I can't sit around reading all this stuff all day." But you know, he was he was understanding about it. So yeah, if if you just go ahead and get started, you'll be so much more ahead of the people that are just trying to you know get everything right. Well, and it's a fun way to figure out the landscape too. So I'm, I'm imagining like if you were to do a video or a, an interview or something, that's like, you know, learning libertarianism. Hey everybody, I'm trying to learn libertarianism. So, and you have somebody on there who knows a lot more than you do. And you say, okay, from my limited understanding, here's what I think, uh, this part of libertarianism is whatever, you know, monetary policy, it's X, Y, and Z. And then they get to tell you all the reasons that you're wrong. No, not quite. It's this, it's this and this. And then of course you'll have in the comments, all of these different factions <laughs> that you didn't even know about right. fighting with each other about which version is really true. And you'll all of a sudden get this people, and you get to sort of approach it above the fray as like, I'm really just trying to learn. So tell me all the different things. Yeah. This is what it appears to be to me. 
but I, it's just because I'm a noob. Give me some more. <laughs> and there's something about being in that perpetual open learning state that I think is really attractive to people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right after I recorded, I found out, I really did find out all the different factions. I thought <laughs> I knew the differences. You know, I thought, you know, there's this run of the mill, you know, left leaning kind of uh, really passive type of libertarian that always turned me off. And then there's the Rothbard brand. But then there's all these other like agorism that I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but it's all it's all very interesting. It's it's cool to see. And I've I've yet to experience anything really negative. Yeah. So, I mean, and even if somebody were to say, oh, you, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. It's, so what? I'm, right. I've already given that uh, position up. So they I mean, so they look like idiots. In a way, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of like you're a lovable idiot, but yeah, but it but it's such a good feeling because it's it's what? it's you know that everybody likes that, and you can turn those criticisms into a huge benefit to you. So, like, I love the phrase "criticize by creating," which I think is attributed to Michelangelo, but I'm not sure if it's actually yeah. him. But if somebody's like, hey. Why did you have this idiot on your podcast? He doesn't represent, you know, whatever, the true form of libertarianism, whatever it is. You can respond by, awesome, give me a recommendation of who you think will be a better representative and I'll invite him, you know? And and it's like, instead of just criticizing, everybody loves to tell you what you should have created, be like, give me, feed me, give me something else. I'm open, right? And turn and force them to be creative instead of just critiquing Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and that just builds like a really awesome, a really awesome community and helps you learn as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really no competition because it looks like everything is so saturated, especially with blogs and podcasts, but 99% of people don't create anything. (laughs) No. And, and that's where you find the idea of expertise. I think people often treat it as a single area expertise is like knowing the most about one very narrow thing. But the definition of expertise I like is it's more about unique intersections of types of knowledge. So, you know, there's these various like niche YouTube channels or whatever with some of this stuff, but I'll, I'll just make one up. There probably is somebody that does this, but let's say you're like, you know, a fair bit about, uh, yoga you're not an expert. You're maybe in the top 20% of people with knowledge of yoga. And you know a fair bit about kayaking. You're not an expert, but you're maybe in the top 20% because you own a kayak and you've done it a few times. Now let's say where those two things merge, the kayaking yogi, right? And you're like, hey, I do these yoga kayaking trips where I go find a place, blah, 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 and I kayak down a river and then I do yoga or something individually, you're not an expert in either of those things. When you combine them at that intersection, you're probably the only person in the world that's a yoga kayaking expert, right? Yeah. Like, and those intersections are incredibly valuable. You'd be really surprised. Like somebody who has, you know, deep knowledge of pop culture and likes Austrian economics. Now you combine those two things and suddenly you are an expert. You know, because it's it's a very interesting niche. And so I think when people think about expertise, if they can think more about different realms of knowledge, different fields, different types of experience at the at the cross sections of those, 
is where the most interesting stuff. And that's usually where your highest value is on the market as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of people get trapped into. They're an expert on Rothbard <laughs> and, and then that's it. So how do you, how do you pitch that to regular people? And that's the problem that libertarians run into all the time. When you get, you know, presidential election, you get like three, 4% of the, of the vote. <laughs> it's because you're not marketing yourself at all. It's these ideas are correct. Well, I mean, you have to frame it somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it's a fun, a fun experiment to, to look at some areas where you might have more value than you realize is to ask your friends, what do you think I do better than anyone else you've ever met? And you hear really interesting things from them that you wouldn't have thought of. And often there are things that you don't think are that valuable because they come easy to you, but they're actually uh -huh. pretty rare and you don't see them because they're just, they come easy and you assume they come easy to everybody. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I can, I can tell like you've got a superpower and it's just a, an openness and a curiosity and a willingness to let people see what you're trying to learn and what you're thinking. Like that is absolutely a superpower. Um, and that's something that you don't want to underestimate, you know, keep, keep leaning into that. Yeah. You cut out there a little bit. I, I, I got most of what you said. Oh, well, I'm so sure it was like the most, <laughs> I'm sure it was the most inspiring part of the show. No one will ever know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you my leadership question, which is what I ask all my guests. Let's say you're God and uh, you can make everybody on earth read just one book and they're going to understand it in the way that you understand it. And they're going to understand every little detail about the book and they're going to act in accordance with the book. Which one book do you choose? That is really, really hard. <laughs> I have two answers that are very different from each other. Okay. Um, so the, the, the first answer that usually always comes to mind is Human Action by Ludwig von Mises. Um, I think that understanding the logic of human action just opens up everything in the world. Very long book, very, you wouldn't think it would be, you know, applicable to all kinds of aspects of life, but I think it's incredibly foundational. Like I think it's just an, an absolute breakthrough in understanding human beings and, and society. The other one is a very short book, a very odd little philosophy book, kind of a applied philosophy um, and it's really more about a mindset that you take with you through life. And it's called Finite and Infinite Games by James Carse. Short little thing with tiny little chapters. And it's really about learning to understand and, and view life as a game or as a series of games of finite and infinite games. And there's something in that that just opens up the world to possibility and play. And there's something in the Mises paradigm that does as well, because you start to understand the economic nature of human interaction and you see things as a series of exchanges rather than I have to do this. I either have to obey or rebel. You see things as I have all these choices and I can, it's all cause and effect, right? If I do this, there are going to be different effects and I got to decide if I'm willing to tolerate those effects. And you are the agent and you have that autonomy and agency, but you know that there are firm, you know, sort of causal relationships in the world, right? Like you're not oppressed by the fact that if you walk off a building, 
you are going to fall to the ground. It's cause and effect. If you see the world as a series of options and you can choose uh, to maximize the benefits and, and decrease the costs, you feel so much more free. And so, you know, the, the Misesian approach is like really laying that intellectual foundation. But Finite Infinite Games is almost more like a directly applied like, hey, put on this lens, see the world as, as a series of games, and uh, you're going to be a lot happier and feel a lot more free. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I get excited to ask that question because I always get something I would have never expected. <laughs> you know what? Maybe maybe, maybe I would say this one because this is almost okay. like the, ha the halfway point between the two. Uh, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by Harry Brown. Okay, I know that's one that Tom Woods always recommends. Yeah, yeah that that's an amazing book. Okay, great. Yeah, I love the... Um, I'm going to have to read Finite and Infinite uh, Games first, though. Um, yeah, I love Stoic philosophy, and what they talk about is just controlling what you can control. And when I first you know, got into it, I was like, oh, okay, that means I don't have to worry about all these things. <laughs> But then you realize how much control you are actually given and the actions that you can take. And you, I mean, really, 2019, there's no excuse not to build the life you want. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what I've woken up to is like, I'm, I'm just going to do things that I think are cool and create stuff that is, that is meaningful to me. You know, call it work or, you know, call it whatever you want. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, but this was great. I think everybody needs to go on uh, uh, Crash.co and create a uh, skills profile and read Crash Your Career. It takes what, 45 minutes to read and infinitely valuable. Hey, man, keep, uh, keep living free and keep learning. <laughs> All right, thank you. See ya. All right.